Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I'm Ben Carter, and I'm here with Noah Ronan. Hey there, Noah. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was perfect. Yeah. And thank Uh, you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And I, like I was saying in in our little pre-conversation that I've heard a little bit about your story um, through Mm -hmm. a couple different podcasts, but assuming my listeners haven't, you want to give them a little bit of background on who you are and what do you do? Um, let, let's start with a short, short background and then we'll dive into the long conversation. So mm-hmm. um, uh, since your podcast is about fail, so um, my, my, I'm originally from Israel. That's where my accent is from. And I moved from um, Israel to New York City 15 years ago with my husband. And there is the story before Israel and there is the story after, you know, before moving to the U.S. and, and after moving to the U.S., and actually, uh, how actually my failures in the first five years in the oh, U.S. Wow. brought me to where I am today, which is a leader- leadership coach and a speaker and author, and now and then um, a podcast guest that just enjoy <laughs> talking about her fails, <laughs> failures. So, uh, well, that's yeah. great. So, I like to kind of start out with people with a little bit of a shameless brag, so they can feel good about themselves <laughs> first. So, I heard you're an author. What other things would you say are your some of your big accomplishments? I I think talking about <clears throat> um, you know starting again um, with a second language, and that was a a huge barrier for me and um, even a mental block. So for me, publishing my book was kind of like a win that I can look at that voice and that's it. We are done. We are done with the conversation about English being my second language. I have Mm -hmm. a book in English. It's about leadership. It's for leaders. and, And we're done with that conversation. So I'm very proud of that. And I think one of the things I I really um, enjoy seeing is just the conversations I'm having with leaders. Uh, even just this morning, just telling one of my clients, you know, I I just love to see that there are people who care about their their people, uh, that there are leaders who really pain when one of their people are. Um, in some trouble or situations that they need to support them. So that brings me so much joy to see that there are people who care about other people as leaders um, in corporate America, in different organizations. So it's happening. It's not just happening in, you know, in nonprofits or those social uh, B Corp organizations. And that fills my heart to see those leaders that really try to create a change. That's awesome. I, I, I know I mentioned before we started that I've been fired from every job. So I, I've definitely experienced the leaders who don't necessarily feel that pain or might've been happy to see me go, but it's mm-hmm. nice to see, especially if you're going to train them, people who want to learn and who want to apply the things you're going to teach them rather than, uh, you know, they have a budget and they're trying to spend it and they don't really care about uh, learning anything specifically. It's nice when you have kind of buy-in from the person you're training. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, um, I'm, I don't see myself as a training. I trainer I see myself as a uh, really as a coach which there is a difference and um, how would you describe that difference so my background is in training training is really to teach you something Um, and I think training is by the way kind of like a whole old horse because training doesn't mean that you are using what you learned so um, that's where more of implementation is coming into face of sitting with the person and helping them um, move to new behaviors. And that's where I think coaching is very uh, supportive and mentorship. And um, in Israel, what I did in change management, we brought what we called implementers that really hold the hand of people to use new technologies. Um, so training is one kind of like it's just the beginning, but there is much for, for, that, for the person to really um, take on the idea. And at least for me, coaching is about creating awareness 
and beyond that, how we keep that awareness. Uh, and at least in my book, I call it the illusion of awareness. And what I mean by that is that one, I think that if I learned something, that's it. I learned everything. So that's kind of like, I'm aware, that's it. I'm done. And there is always something else to learn. So that's one layer of the illusion of awareness. And then the second layer is programs and packages. And some people, not saying everyone, would tell you, this is what you need to learn. And when you learn that, you are on the other side of the rainbow. But what people don't don't learn or or the the maybe the the explanation that is missing there is that even when i learn something when i am overwhelmed and i'm stressful i will go back to old behaviors because those are my tendencies so the focus is not on just how i'm going to be in that new situation but how do i look when I am in my old behaviors, in my tendencies, and learn those red flags that when it happens, I can learn how to bring myself back to the new behaviors. So, and that's, so tell me if it makes sense what I'm, I'm saying right now. Yeah, I think so. Based on what I'm hearing, and your English is great, by the way. I'm is, here uh, for 15 years, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I struggle still, and I was born here. Um, but it sounds to me like training in your eyes is more of teaching the technical skills, whereas coaching is more of the mentality and the mindset for how you're going to approach, you know, running a business and leading. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's also just telling your client, which in training you don't really do, hey, I see something. You don't show up. Um, you say one thing, but your actions are not aligned with what you say, what's going on. And those are conversations that we are not used to have. Uh, it doesn't mean that the conversation is mean, uh, but when a leader, for example, says, I'm doing everything outside to support my community, but they don't do the same thing with their leadership team. So they're not walking their talk. Or when they tell the team, go and network with everyone, but they don't go and network with their peers and, and build the relationships, they don't walk their talk. And those are the things that when the coach hears, if they, if they learn how to do that, they can look at their client and courageously have with them a conversation saying, hey, I hear one thing, but I see you doing something else. So what's going on here? Uh, and, and, and those are different conversations than when you have in training, which means uh, this is what we do. This is what we need to do. Kind of like teach you on a specific skill. So it's a different conversation that is very specific to the individual or the group to help you process and get a, a deeper understanding of what are your blind spots? What, are, what do you don't see? And, and, and someone on the other side that is telling you how they experience you, which not many times you, you have that feedback from other people. Mm -hmm. And the higher you go, the less you hear people giving you feedback. Yeah, I think that's part of my problem um, in some of my jobs. And being from Boston, uh, similar to New York, is very, and I, I heard from Israel, you were saying it's very honest culture, very blunt um not necessarily mean but don't you don't necessarily sugarcoat anything mm -hmm. and i like that i prefer that i'd rather tell people that you know there's nothing wrong with them but that idea is bad or whatever like being free to just talk <laughs> about things and tell people that honestly but i struggle with not uh doing it in a way that is taken the right way so being a non-english speaker or natively how did you try to dance that line between giving honest feedback versus making them upset at you um, I don't think I, so, so let's start. I, I didn't start as a coach. So, so let's give the background mm -hmm. maybe. So, um, in Israel, I worked in human resources training, as I mentioned earlier, training and development, uh, and I was a change management consultant. So that was one thing I did. I really helped organizations when they brought technologies to, uh, teach the C-suite executives to work together. Uh, to create the change. And on the other side, it was almost 25 or even more. I'm pretty old, 25 years ago. So people were afraid that they would be laid off because of technology. So it was very interesting on one side to see how the executives 
work together or the politics and all the good stuff there when you lead the change. And on the other side, the, you know, the people who are, there are fears and concerns and, and everything. And how do you work on that area with the managers that need to deal with that pain and the people themselves that are afraid? So I was very young and I learned a lot. And then I moved to the U.S., and English is a second language. So it's not like I didn't speak the language, but there was an internal voice telling me, and that was the story I was telling myself, okay? Um, that my strength is to influence through how I speak. There was always that, what I call that magical silence. You know, I would speak and there was that quiet moment. And then people would say, I get what she's saying. So it's not always that people will support me, but I felt that I was an influencer. There was that influencer experience that I'm a leader through my speaking. That's my forte. And suddenly I moved to a different country, different language, and I need to express myself. And I feel handicapped because I'm missing those special words that I can use and, and decorate my sentences and have the same confidence that I had in, in, in Hebrew, uh, my first language. And suddenly I lose that and people not always understand me. Or sometimes you just forget to say the most silly word that you really want to say in that moment because you just can't find it in your head. And it's frustrating and you feel stupid. And, and really, that's what you feel. Mm -hmm. You feel stupid and you go to interviews and you go to different ex experiences. And even though you do all the right things, because I was in human resources, so I knew how to do interviews. I interviewed a lot of people. So I knew how to take all the right actions. Mm -hmm. But in my head, there was a voice telling me, your English is not good enough. No one will hire you because that was the most important thing for me. It doesn't mean that that's what, what others people experience, but that was my experience. And with that, without knowing, I self-sabotaged myself. And it got into a point where I decided that my only way to save myself would be to take certificate in human resources and that will save my life. So I'm sitting um, during my um, maternity leave, I've, having my, I, I, we came to the U.S. with two little kids, so I had my third, and I'm sitting at home studying for that exam, and I go to take the exam, and I don't pass it, and I say, okay, it happens. I will try again, and I go, and I take that exam again, and I was six points, Ben. I mm. was six points from passing that exam. So if you need 400 or something, I was six points from passing that the second time. And I remember seeing that number on the computer, leaving that testing center, calling my husband. And that was almost four years into living in the US. And I'm telling my husband, I am done. I am done with bumping my head into the wall and it's time for me to take a break. And that was, I, I, I just, I, it was a moment of surrender mm -hmm. of it's enough because what I tried to do for so long was to replicate everything I did in Israel and believing that I can have passed Noah in this present experience. And it just didn't work for me. And I couldn't understand why. And I was upset and I was feeling shame and anger and um, frustration and all that good stuff at the same time. And I just remember it was like Midtown Manhattan and I'm, I'm walking there, going to eat in this crappy place. It was like ugly moment, kind of like low moment in my life. Uh, but that's when things started to, in a way, shifting for me, that moment of surrender, because I gave myself a break and decided to start blogging. That's cool. That's a good idea. Blogged in Hebrew, not oh, even English. Nice. Seriously. Like I just needed some creative outlet mm -hmm. and blogging then was like podcasting today. And I just, I saw that movie, Julia and Juliet, I think with Mary Streep. And I said, that sounds like a cool idea to start a blog. Let me see what's going to show up. And 
I wrote it in Hebrew, not in English. There was no intention behind it to make it like the best blog ever. It was just like, I want to write. And in one night, in less than 30 minutes, I launched my blog and started blogging about being an Israeli mom in the U.S. And what I know now that I didn't know then, and I also wrote that in my book, is that that blog was my way to process a lot of emotions and thoughts that I didn't give space until then. I was so focused on what I call the doing energy on the actions that I miss that there is a second energy, the other energy that I believe we all have, which is the being energy, like human beings. And I believe that in that energy, there are the emotions and mindset and thoughts and aspirations and fears. And I ignore that. I worked from actions because for all my lives, I believe that actions are what, you know, that's the way for me to being seen. So I focus on that and I, I use the same actions in a new situation and it didn't work. Yeah, and I, got I mean, that's stuck a classic, again and again and again. Yeah. Classic mistake is to try to figure out how to take past successes and not really change anything. Just keep it rolling because, you know, you don't want to necessarily tweak it and ruin it. And you also think you kind of found gold or at least myself when I when I figure out a way to like get someone to care about a blog post or a video or whatever. I feel like, oh, I don't want to touch that anymore because I don't want to mess up what I had there. Um, but a lot of times you got to really just, you know, kind of try new things in order to see what works. And I'm sure like when you had that moment of just kind of not just not really giving up, but just being done with with seeking that life and just starting to go after whatever you wanted. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of not only you know frustration in, in not succeeding, but also some kind of freedom in the fact that you don't have to go down that path that you're already so frustrated with. Um, yeah, there, there was, um, I don't, I'm not sure if there was freedom because for me, freedom was when I will have again, what I used to have before I was still in, you know, in mm -hmm. the wanting. Um, and that's why I'm saying it was almost five years that I was stuck. And, and I think what we mostly miss is that those success stories don't happen in the moment. There are lots, and that's why I love your podcast um, uh, theme. I believe that we have so many moments of failures along the way until we find that moment, until we find that moment of freedom where we, we feel like we set ourselves free. And that was the beginning, you know, the, uh, making, you know, calling my husband and saying, I surrender. That was kind of like... I didn't know that then, but that was the beginning of the freedom, right? That, as you say, I stopped um, imposing or forcing the universe to have what I, I had before. Um, and what was interesting about the blogging is that suddenly people started reaching out and having conversations with me and responding, and they reminded me that I am resourceful. You know, and, and that creativity showed up and that experience of what you say, freedom. And then women asked me to coach, the, coach them. They called me at the same week, which was totally weird. <laughs> and, and they were Israeli women from different states in the U.S. calling me at the same week and saying, how did you do that? We're so stuck with our lives. Any chance you can coach us? And I felt that it was like, how? what's going on? Like universe is sending me some, some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, signs, a signal. Signs, thank you. Some signs or signals. And um, I decided to check what coaching is all about. I thought it was a scam, but that's <laughs> how I got into coaching. Um, not like you see in the sitcoms that the next morning I woke up and I said, okay, I'm a life coach, but I didn't yeah. coach those women, by the way, I didn't coach them, but my gratitude is for them calling me because they called on me and saw something in me that I was not um, able to see then. And that's how my, my path started. I started coaching um, at the beginning women like me in New York city. And then I went back to, um, to work with leaders in corporate or social leaders, um, uh, founders of different companies, um, 
So, and that's what I do, I do today. And by the way, today I live in North Carolina. So going back to your um, question about culture, totally different culture. I work yeah. with people, by the way, not only um, from the US, from all around the world. And I believe um, going back to your question about how you have those kinds of conversations with people, um, the idea behind coaching is that you listen to people and you're trained with that now because you do podcasting. So, so I can see that on your, we, we do the Zoom video so we can see each other. <laughs> so there is curiosity when you listen to me. When you coach people, the ground, the basic, the foundation of coaching is that there is no judgment. There is just curiosity. And when I call on my client because I hear something, it's not to say, hey, you're a bad, bad person. It's about, hey, I see something. Let's talk about it. What's going on here? And, and when you come from that kind of conversation, um, there is no defense. They don't need to go to a defense and say, you don't get me. You don't understand me. There is not that kind of conversation. Uh, they feel safe. And yeah. sometimes we even laugh together at some, you know, behaviors. It's like, you won't believe what I did last time. Mm -hmm. I, I talked for the whole meeting. I didn't listen. It was horrible. And we laughed together. So um, it, it's not about bringing, there is no judgment. And, we're, and, and if I find myself going into judgment, I have to work on myself to go back to curiosity again and again and again. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to get people to listen to constructive feedback is to kind of create that culture of radical honesty and transparency where you're both, you know, going towards the same goal so that there's no, you know, need to be defensive kind of as you're saying, but I wanted to mention just a couple things you said. I love <laughs> how um, when you said those um, women reached out to you, it was kind of like uh, a light going off in your head saying, well, okay, I actually, there's people in the world who need my help. You know, I'm, I'm far along enough that I can uh, help some people. And I think a lot of people get stuck thinking they have to be the expert or the, the number one, you know, whatever it is, but really you just have to be further along than the people you're coaching. Ideally, yeah. you know, a few steps ahead, but even just one step ahead, you can at least bring them to where you are and, you know, bring yourself even further. And it's interesting because a lot of times you don't know that until people are coming out and asking for help. And they're, they're basically you from a couple of years ago and you can definitely help them because you know exactly where they were, but it's easy to think that the only people who are looking for help really want just the best of the best. And it can be easy to kind of have that imposter syndrome and think you're, you don't belong. So I'm glad that they reached out and kind of gave you that inspiration. That's really cool. I know that. Uh, <clears throat> so I teach Microsoft Excel online. And mm -hmm. similarly, I just started putting it out there without any intent of who's going to listen to it or anything, just see if people um, enjoyed it or got any value of it. And some of the best, uh, some of the worst comments were some of the constructive ones that I forced me to go redo everything because they were so right in what they were conveying. But, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. want to listen to it. But I know if I had an environment like you were saying, where you are encouraged to be honest and, and you know, be kept in line and kept in check with whether you're lying to yourself, um, it's super helpful. You know, it's a great um, kind of atmosphere to foster and, the only other thing I wanted to mention is the the success and failure piece because you were saying that you know success doesn't happen overnight and kind of regardless of how long that takes, most times once people hit that success is when you actually see them in the public eye and so you don't see all the things that led up to that and so I think it's important to like what you're saying is that you don't necessarily know how long it'll take and it might not be overnight but uh, you'll eventually get there and then when you get there people will think you were always there. It's, uh, it's interesting that we don't share enough of the, the failures and the struggles that brought us there as like a proud thing. Yeah. Um, my book has three parts. The first one is aware less what you don't know that you don't know, right? Until mm -hmm. someone kind of like put it in your face, right? And I don't say it's the coach. It could be your manager, people around you, or sometimes your body even will mm -hmm. tell you tell you enough. And then the second part is aware mess. I call it from aware less to aware to awareness. But mm -hmm. in the middle, there is that aware mess piece part. And also my blog before I wrote the book, it was the messy blog. Mm -hmm. And 
when I talk about messiness with people, there is exactly that, you know, oh, I, I don't like to be messy. Mm -hmm. And there is, as Brene Brown says, there is a different than I am messy to getting messy. It's, it's different. And I think that's what you were talking about, that people don't like to talk about their messy moments, right? Um, we see on Facebook, you know, they, or now we people not travel so much, but still we try to put that beautiful picture uh, from, from our remote room. And mm -hmm. we like to put that beautiful moment when we travel. We don't talk about the suitcase that we lost <laughs> and the big fight that the whole family had, had in the car and the kids that didn't want to eat the, in the restaurant you chose for them. We don't talk about that. We just put this beautiful picture. And I, I truly feel that part of walking my talk is, I don't know, it's kind of like my, my why or whatever you want to call it, is to share with people that mostly this is not our lives. Our lives are not beautiful 100% of the time. There are lots of messy moments. And I actually find a lot of beauty in the messy moments because those are the moments when you... Um, allow yourself kind of like what happened to me to find creative solutions. And actually when clients come to me, I call it the beauty of being lost. <laughs> when people come to me and say, Noah, I'm totally lost. That's when I get excited. I said, yes, we can start having, you know, doing <laughs> the work. Um, and doesn't matter if it's a team or, you know, the, whoever comes to me and says that even my kids, I get excited because when we get into that place um, that we are lost, it's when we are willing to start investing. Until then, there is that I need to keep perfecting. I need to keep polishing. I, keep to keep, I need to keep working on that. So there is or perfection or procrastination, which are both not, there is no, no real movement. I'm trying to avoid movement. I don't want to get messy. I don't want to do mistakes. I don't want to be a fail. I don't want to go and tell people that I didn't succeed in that. But when you get into that point where you are lost, that's when you are willing to do everything. You go out and you start talking with people and you start asking questions and you start finding creative solutions. And if you see uh, movies about that and hear stories of people and even if you get lost in a trip, you will be willing to go the extra mile because this is a place of survival in a way. If we look at it from like really getting lost in the woods, it's or I am surrendering, right? And I'm, I will be dead, okay? Or I will do everything to get out of the situation. And that's when we are willing to do everything. And that's where commitment shows up and creativity and innovation. That's what I believe anyway. Mm -hmm. So I try to promote that in, <laughs> and you see how I'm getting excited <laughs> and passionate about that because I believe this is the, not just, it's not about the learning, what I learned from the mistakes or from getting messy. And I don't think that messy always means doing mistakes. Mm -hmm. I believe it's about experimentation and it's a, a different mindset than the mindset of perfecting or uh, procrastinating, avoiding, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I like that. Cause something I always try to do is just create, um, I, I forget who I heard it from. Maybe it was the lead singer of Weezer. I think he used to write tons of songs and basically write for the trash can is what he called it. So, yeah. and I'm not even sure if that's who it was who said that, but I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> but I, I love it because there's no expectation around what it is you're going to create. And as human beings, we're much better at, um, you know, taking something and critiquing it and making it better than we are creating something. So a lot of times if you just start creating anything, then you can critique it and make it better. And, mm -hmm. you know, starting somewhere is better than not starting at all. Uh, but the, for the first time now, I was just thinking, so I've thought what you said about the social media and how we're kind of putting our highlight reel out for the world to see. And clearly that's to show the world just how awesome our lives are and stuff. But also I think we're kind of, you know, purging so to speak our own experiences because when we go back to relive those by looking at our social media we won't remember all the the failure parts because we've kind of whitewashed it over with all these pictures and you know it it'll make it harder for us to remember like a lot of what things really were like because you know as we get older and we forget things we'll only have what we posted 
you know, on social media as a record of how we felt or anything. And so it's interesting because no one would want to put the bad things on there, but at the same time, it's something we should do. So I don't know what the happy medium <laughs> is, but it's interesting because even myself, I'll do that. Cause why would I, I just don't post much, but if I'm going to post something, it might, might as well be mm-hmm. good, you know, but maybe yeah. you should do more of the um, being vulnerable and posting some of the, the things that aren't so uh, exciting. So I'm going to say something. If there are people who listen and they work on a business or, or something like that, okay? So there is a guy, I forgot his name, he's a British guy on LinkedIn, and he says, uh, make a different noise. I'm sorry, Chris something. I can't remember his name right now, but he mm-hmm. talks about creating a different noise. So if everyone puts the perfect picture, um, I don't do that because of him, by the way, I just because I like to challenge the norms. It's, it's part of my tagline that I challenge mm-hmm. the norms. Um, so if everyone is putting the beautiful video, I have on the run videos that I, now they're not that special, but when I started them a few years ago on LinkedIn, everyone was with suits and, you know, the perfect uh, video with the, uh, you know, everything perfect. And I would show up on LinkedIn after I ran with unscripted two minutes video. Why? Exactly because of that. Because if I say that people should get messy, I should be the first one and show them that I'm walking my talk And what was interesting, it wasn't like my videos got tons of comments, but when I went to networking events, people came and whispered in my ear, I really like your videos. They're really inspiring. Can you please keep doing them? And it was just experimentation. I, I, I just did that because I wanted to feel comfortable in front of a camera because I started speaking to in events and conferences and I knew I will take more videos about me speaking. So I said, that's an opportunity for me. So I experimented with that. And another story I want to share with you is when I finished my uh, first draft of my, my book and I published um, um, on, on social media that I finished my first crappy draft because that's really sometimes how I, some people call it the first mm-hmm. crappy draft. And you won't believe how many people who love me texted me and, <laughs> and put on the chat, why, why did you wrote a crappy draft? Why did you refer to your book this way? And this is where I push back and I say, I can't show up differently. I cannot show up showing just my perfect self. It's not who I am. Probably not the right person. <laughs> if, if you want to work with the perfect person, I probably not your, your coach and that's fine. And I'm not your, you know, your target coach or your target service provider. Uh, and that's fine. I had to learn with my language and with a lot of other things that this is who I am. And I have to stand by that. By, by the way, also with my kids, they are now teenagers. And I was very frustrated when my daughter told me, mom, you're perfect. Everything you do is a success. And I was kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now she knows it's not the truth because she's my intern, but uh, she, she see a lot of things and she hears from me. And I think it's very important you know, talking about resilience and all those really big um, words, it has to start with our kids. We need to teach them that we have failures. We need to teach them that not everything is perfect. If we show our kids that my relationship with your father is, is, you know, beautiful and we never fight and Picture each other and need space from each other. And if I don't share with you that not everything is success with my business and there are things that don't work, how will they learn resilience if they think that everything they create has to be perfect? So even right now with COVID-19, I say, okay, it's not amazing for them, but this is a good experience for resilience for my kids right now. Yeah. Yeah. While it's not directly related you just reminded me a deeper piece of why i started the failure guy thing because (laughs) i I talk about it being related to being fired and stuff but i know that i was doing a bunch of crazy networking like had multiple meetings a day where i was just going to meet strangers for lunch like we'd get up and talk you know whether it's toastmasters or whatever Mm. but i got so sick so quick of 
bragging of trying to look like the man like because everyone's trying to look amazing you know and no Mm -hmm. one's ever trying to be you know less than that so I was like okay well maybe if I just and I also like helping people so I like giving advice but I don't want to be someone who's like I'm above you so here's some advice from above you so I thought well I'll start calling myself the world's number one failure and then I can beat them to the punch of being below them so that hopefully they're just like well I'm just saying I don't know anything but here's an idea maybe you can use it because then it'll maybe get used more because I know that based on my tone and the way I talk sometimes it can seem like I'm talking like I know things and I'm just you know giving my advice or whatever my experience is so I liked being able to say you know I'm worse than you now let's talk about it it's made it easier for me (laughs) so if you brought your low confidence to the networking (laughs) event (laughs) yeah exactly Um, and most people had no idea what to do with it they're like i wasn't trying to sell anything i was just like i'm the i'm the failure guy and they're like okay so it didn't make any sense but then that made me figure out what i wanted to do at least with Mm -hmm. a little bit but um it's nice when people you know are more real and and don't necessarily yeah. just have that facade of, of perfection. So I will share with you something about networking. Um, so first, I think it's wonderful that you create different no- a different noise <laughs> in the networking room. Um, but, um, you know, moving from New York to North Carolina, I had to reestablish my business, get to know new groups and network and do all the good stuff when you have your own business. And anyway, when you move to a new place mm-hmm. and, after a while, I got so kind of like what you say, bored. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like, where is my tribe? tribe? And it took me a while, but I started um, a new way of networking. I decided to create my own tribe, kind of like what you create with the with the podcast, right? You create your own tribe of people that just want to talk about fail mm-hmm. and, and learn from other people, from their stories. So I created what I call what I call walking mastermind. And we meet outside. Um, and we um, you know, people don't come with their beautiful clothes because you need to walk and it's in nature and you still can get coffee because um, people don't know, but I'm a huge coffee lover. I love coffee. Uh, So it starts with getting coffee and then we cross to a beautiful lake and there is a special structure for this networking event because one of the things I learned that people don't like that there is no structure. They get lost. Okay, so what do I do now with that failure guy? How (laughs) how do I start a conversation? So we do something very special. We start with saying no one is sharing what they do. So there, there is no conversation about what is your role, whether if it's in your life, I'm a mother, I am a whatever, or if there is a profession. Uh, because what happens when you start those networking events with putting the title, right? People put you in a box. Mm-hmm. So we take those boxes away and people can just say their name and kind of like I'm an explorer or I'm a curious person or something like that. And then we always have a topic that we start with a little warm up coaching warm-up, not real warm-up. And then we set people, uh, we partner them and send them for a conversation. Uh, We partner them and send them on a conversation one-on-one. And people love it. They come in 20 Fahrenheit degrees for the people who I'm also, I also talk Celsius. So it's 20 Fahrenheit. So it's below the zero um, or 100 because it's North Carolina. So one day you can wear a bathing suit and the next day a snow. You never know what's going to happen there. Um, So it's amazing how much people love it because exactly what you were talking about. My focus was on creating connection Mm -hmm. and real conversation. And I wanted the nature. I wanted the outdoors for so many reasons. First, because we're all the time indoors, right? Mm -hmm. But also because nature creates some, you know, that awareness, that creative way of thinking and getting a new perspective. And we got those, you know, those fans that love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually trademarked that idea. <laughs> um, but it's, it's. I, I just had to share with you because yeah. um, I believe it's time for a new way of networking and doing things yeah. rather than the pitch. <laughs> I, lo- I love that because I've, so 
I think it's great when you set it up like that. So everyone's already in that mindset to not necessarily say I'm an accountant or whatever, and they can say more about the types of things they do. But um, I've heard from, I don't know if you've ever heard of Phil M. Jones. He's like a sales um, trainer, speaker um, guy, no. I guess. I think he also has a podcast, but uh, he said, basically, you're going to be asked what you do at some point. If it's not right. in your walking mastermind, you're going to get that question. In the They're end gonna... of my walking. Yeah, we yeah. do that in the end, but not well, in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's like if you don't control the atmosphere. So you're at a different networking event. You don't get to control how people talk. Um, I've heard a good way of or he says a good way of saying it is instead of answering the question of what do you do, you ask them if it would be OK if you give them an example of the kind of thing. And then you can like we have a story about something you've done. So instead of saying I'm a life coach or whatever, mm -hmm. and put yourself in that box, you can say that you help people, you know, get from here to yeah. there, or whatever, you can, you know, more elaborate yeah. on it before they try to pigeonhole you in something that might be less than you'd want. And you can come up with whatever that story is, it doesn't have to be even related to your job. But it's yeah. nice, you know, because no one wants to hear I'm an accountant, or I'm a whatever, you, you want to get some some color and some some interesting story in order to maybe be interested in talking to this person. So I love that the you're doing that. The, the reason we kind of like moved it to the end of the of the event is that we wanted to make sure that when people have those conversations, they, they come from curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then when I hear that you're an accountant, I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? If I don't like accountants, um, I, and I just put it in that blunt language, but you know, it's like, oh, financial advisor, or, you know, we have those, oh, life coach, there are so many life coaches, right? Um, so where, when, when you already heard people having a conversation and sharing their ideas and you walked with them for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, when you go back and they say who they are, you don't care anymore. If you got curious about them, you want to keep the conversation. And that's kind of like what we're trying to say. If you get curious about the person, now you can move it to the one-on-one -on -one and go back to the coffee shop or whatever and, and keep the conversation afterwards. Yeah. And probably we'll need to do more outdoors anyway because of the COVID. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, in, in the end, yes, you need to know to... To introduce yourself in why one way or another i will not go to the how because there are many different yeah. ways but well it's good too because then everyone likes to know somebody to to have someone they can recommend so even if they don't need an accountant or whatever if they're intrigued mm -hmm. by you they might you know next time someone else needs an accountant or whatever they might send them your way because you're more interesting than just a faceless uh you know person from the internet because anyone can just find a job title to do exactly. a role you know but to yeah. find someone that you're interested in that you, you know, have the same mindset of and you would want to work together is a more rare thing for sure. Yeah. And, and you want to know how that person thinks and feel and, and what they believe in. And when you get to know them in that, um, that deeper level, uh, there is probably uh, more possibility that they will recommend you to their circle because if you really understand networking you understand it's not about that person buying from you but that person really liking you and referring you to their circle of people absolutely yeah and i think that's great advice uh i only have two more questions for you but before we get to those is there anything else specifically around your own failure stories that you wanted to mention before we get into some specific questions that might not lead you there I, I think we kind of like covered the gist, right? Cool. So uh, this one is going to yeah, be- Yeah, but if people have more questions to me, they always can find me and, and have a chat, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and we'll have we'll tell them where to reach you in just a minute. But I don't know if you've heard on prior ones, but being a guest on the show means you get a get out of fail free card, which means you can use this card to cash it in to pursue any career or hobby or anything you'd like to do without the possibility of failure. Because maybe you've avoided it because- it's mm. too scary. So is there some thing, uh, some either uh, hobby, uh, artistic, creative endeavor, something that you've, you would want to do, but you're too scared of the possibility or necessity? <laughs> when I was a little girl, I really wanted to be an actress. So <laughs> uh, now um, I actually going to... Um, I got a challenge from another podcast host to do something that is more theatrical. He, say, he said to me, I see something in you that can be very theatrical. And I said, you know what? I wanted to be an actress. So probably I would do something around that 
Uh, what if is I it knew I will so not end up as a waitress. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Is it just this, the scariness of not succeeding or is it, what's, what's the most scary part about being an actress? Do you think? I, I, I don't, I don't even know if it's scary. I just chose, I, I think in a way I, I allow that theatrical, um, space in me to show up in different ways um, as a speaker, even as a coach, sometimes as a mother, if my kids allow me to be silly. Uh, so that that persona in me is part of me. I, I, I probably didn't show, choose this path because, you know, the tribe told that being an actress is a rough path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was more of a limiting belief for me rather than a fear um so so that's my answer to you if if i'm trying to be honest with myself so let's pretend you have any director in the world he's going to offer you a role what kind of movie (laughs) are you in (laughs) just to annoy my kids i would say probably (laughs) something from the avengers or something like that silly like that <laughs> Maybe even to... my my accent will be a, a, a added value for that. I don't know. Maybe I can be a good villain. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. Either way, a hero yeah, or villain. Yeah, maybe some kind of a villain on Avengers that that never dies, that stays forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that good. Yeah, so you can get into every movie. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, the last thing I have is just uh, what's your next big fail? What's the next thing you're going to go after and you don't know if it's going to succeed? Is there any... Um, new avenues you're taking your business down or other creative outlets you're um, just starting? So I I will share with you that um, actually in the COVID-19, this whole Corona situation, I decided to let go of what's next. It was actually um, moving me from being present with Mm -hmm. my kids, family, um, myself. And I decided to play with that. And rather than being in the what's next, what's next, what next, actually relax a bit because I realized that speaking um, in conferences and big events was not really fun for me. And there was my ego. Mm -hmm. If we go back to that actress, that ego that really wanted me to speak on stage and maybe show something to everyone and myself that I can do that. But I realized that it's not where my passion is. So um, I actually took a step back right now and allow myself to be playful. And I have to say that part of my playfulness is um, that um, journey I'm taking with the podcast interviews. Mm -hmm. I just right now in being playful because when I'm playful, I'm creative. That's how that working mastermind project happened when I don't force things like my blog, Mm -hmm. um, awesome things show up on my way. And I think this is kind of like where I am right now on the crossroad of rather than telling myself what's next, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place in my life life right now. So I'm actually pausing and not pausing, but kind of like letting go of that. What, what's next and I'm inviting other people that maybe have that same, you know, restlessness of I always need to know what's next, what's next, mm-hmm. that sometimes it's okay to take a break and be okay with where you are. And f- I, I'm in a grateful, you know, in that gratitude place of, you know, I want to keep my family healthy. You know, health is very important to me. Um, I understand what it means that the family member is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I have the clients. I, I'm really just, you know, I, I published the book. So I, I'm, I'm in that place of let's see what's going to show up for me and just be playful and creative and have fun with it and, and that, see what the road will bring on my way. <laughs> yeah. Is that similar to the being energy you're talking about? Is that the idea behind it? Is that synonymous or is the being energy a little different? Because it seems being, like you're being in the moment and just letting it come to you kind of thing. That, that's great. I'm not going to say no, because I do like <laughs> yeah. when people interpret what they need mm-hmm. from my ideas. Uh, and I always say break my rules and any rules. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. For me, the being is not separated from the doing. It has to come together. And I think, okay. yes, there was that action and that force of how everything has to be perfect and everything has to be successful. And I, I need to show another success and another success and another success. And I think there are some moments 
where you step back and you look in the mirror because you have to mm-hmm. and you say hey what's going on here is it really important to to keep all the time pushing yourself with what's next and I, and I also read the book stretch which I also recommend a lot to people uh, to check out um, it talks about how can you achieve more with less uh, with just stretching yourself and being more resourceful so you For me right now, I just want to see what's going to mm-hmm. show up there. And, and I enjoy being curious about that and playful and not forcing that something has to show up. Just enjoy yeah, being in a way, uh, still doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. They are engaged. They are not separated. <laughs> yeah, or I'm sure if you weren't doing this as much, you might not be on this podcast right now talking to me. So I'm glad you've yeah. embraced that lifestyle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there anywhere you want to point the listeners to where they can find you these days or what you're working on? Sure. Um, first, you're always welcome, uh, whoever wants to keep the conversation with me. And you can find me on my website. It's Noah, N-O-A, no age in the end, Noah Ronen Coaching. That's my website, .com, noahronencoaching.com. Um, or you can just find me with my social media handler everywhere. It's the same, Noah, N-O-A-R, Coach, Noah, R, Coach. And my book on Amazon, just look for my name, Noah Ronen, and you will find me. get my book if you are curious to learn more about the idea of the being and doing energies awesome i'll make sure to put those links in the show notes as well and uh thanks so much for coming on and just sharing your story i i'm so happy to see not necessarily what you do because who cares what it is but just the <laughs> fact that you're going to be doing a lot more uh, you know things that you might not have seen coming or, or planned out and are just taking it uh as it comes so it's awesome Thank you. And thank you for advocating uh, this conversation. So I, I appreciate that you bring the conversation of fail into everything that is happening and that not everything is just, you know, the success. It's kind of boring. So thank you for <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, but I do hope you have all the success that is yeah, due your way. You. Thank you. Same to you and everyone. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, Always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.